Oh, you had me on one. That's hers. That's hers. So her, her signature's on. That's a nice keepsake. Welcome, everybody. And Jessica, if you would please uh, place us on Facebook Live, and we'll be ready to start. Here we may begin. Um, okay. The meeting will come to order. Welcome to the November 9th, 2023 meeting of the Human Rights Commission. I'm Commission Chair Karen Clofton. I want to thank our San Francisco Human Rights Commission staff, Jessica Campos, Hatim Mansouri, and Anjanette Coates for providing technical assistance with this evening's meeting. Now we would like to open this evening's meeting with the Ramatusholone land acknowledgement. Commissioner Kelleher. Uh, forgive me, Commissioner, I'll get that to you in just a moment. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral land of the Ramatushaloni, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatushaloni have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects, acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramitush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples. Thank you, Commissioner. Secretary McKnight, do you have any announcements? This evening's meeting is being held at San Francisco City Hall 1, Dr. Carlton B. Goodlip Place in room 416. Members of the public can join us in person or participate remotely. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes to speak. People attending in person will be called upon to speak first, followed by those attending remotely. Please use the raised hand icon to indicate you'd like to participate in public comment. Thank you, Secretary McKnight. Please call uh, the roll. Item one, call to order and roll call of commissioners. As I call your name, please affirm attendance by saying aye. 
Chair Karen Clopton. Aye. Vice Chair Ann Champion Shaw. Aye. Commissioner Rodrigo Duran. Aye. Commissioner Hasib Emran. Aye. Commissioner Mark Kelleher. Aye. Commissioner Jason Johnson. Commissioner Jason Pellegrini. Present. Commissioner Leah Pimentel. Aye. Commissioner Michael Sweet. Present. Commissioner Irene Yee Riley. Aye. Excellent. We have quorum and the meeting can be called to order. Good evening, everyone. This evening we take time to recognize Native American Heritage Month. Yes. And we are joined by representatives from the American Indian Cultural District, the American Indian Cultural Center, and Native American Health Center. Uh, we are joined by people representing tribes that have been inhabited and cared for the land, land we now occupy for over 10,000 years. <clears throat> that should be a very sobering thought. Uh, 10,000 years ago, the Roman Empire had not yet existed. The Bronze Age had not begun. Our native peoples existed here before anything resembling Western history had even begun. And in the blink of an eye, the history and peoples were almost erased, intentionally erased from Northern America. And this must never be forgotten. This month is important to remind us of their extraordinary history, of our extraordinary history. The value of the indigenous people and their challenges in the culture of the United States. We are also preparing for Veterans Day, which is celebrated every year on November 11th. Many veterans return to fruitful and active lives after they separate from service. And tragically, too many return with life-changing impacts from their time in service. Impacts that change their ability to reintegrate back into civilian life and many face disabilities, physical and cognitive, that put them on course for an unsheltered life or worse. The cost of combat is significant, and we are grateful to have the founder of Veterans Alley here with us this evening to talk about their work with some of our disabled veterans who are living on the streets of San Francisco. Before moving on to the next agenda item, let me take a moment to share some exciting news. Um, and that is that at the end of this year, I will be leaving the commission. Um, I'm going to Harvard. Harvard has invited me to be a fellow in the Advanced Leadership Initiative, and I will be in residence in Cambridge, Massachusetts for 2024. Uh, my fellowship is to uh, develop two social uh, impact projects. And, uh, and I have all of the resources across the entire university. So it's very exciting. I'm very excited. I, I'm it's been a great honor and privilege to serve 
uh, all of you and the greater community here in San Francisco, both as chair of the commission and as commissioner here. Um, we are involved in a global movement as human rights commissioners. And, uh, and I'm hopeful that over the next uh, two months, almost, um, to really bring that to bear uh, in our 75th anniversary um, of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, working with the United Nations Council on Human Rights. So, and, and then we have additional news that our vice chair has, uh, she and her husband have been promoted and, uh, and they will be leading an amazing congregation in Los Angeles, the first African, uh, African Methodist Episcopal Church of Los Angeles. So we are both leaving. These are our last two meetings, and uh, we wish you all very, very well. Okay, so that's what's happening with us. Thank you. Now we will open general public comment. Item two, general public comment. Members of the public may address the commission on matters that are within the commission's jurisdiction and are not on today's agenda. Now we will open general public comment. Are there any members of the public? I'm giving you, I'm doing your part. Are there any members of the public in person who would like to comment on this item? <laughs> People attending in person are invited to make public comment. Public comment is up to two minutes. Please state your name if you'd like to may have your name recorded in the minutes. Are there any members of the public attending in person who would like to comment on uh, this item? These are uh, items within the jurisdiction of the commission, but are not on the agenda. Chair, I see no members of the public attending in person who wish to make comment on this item. Are there any members of the public who would like to provide testimony remotely? Please use the raised hand icon. People attending remotely are invited to make public comment. Public comment is up to two minutes. Chair, there are no members of the public attending remotely who wish to make comment on this item. Seeing none, public testimony is now closed. Please call the next item. Item three, adoption of the October 26, 2023 meeting minutes. Review and anticipate adoption of minutes from the Commission's October 26, 2023 meeting minutes. This is discussion and action item. There will be public comment. Minutes from the Commission meeting were distributed electronically. The meeting video is available on the Human Rights Commission website and transcription is available upon request to the Commission Secretary. We will now open comment on this item. Are there any members of the public attending in person who would like to comment on this item? People attending in person are invited to make public comment. Public comment is up to two minutes. Please state your name if you would like your name to be recorded in the minutes. Are there any members of the public attending in person who would like to make comment on this item? Chair, I see no persons attending in person who wish to make comment on this item. Are there any members of the public who would like to provide testimony remotely? Please use the raised hand icon. 
People attending remotely are invited to make public comment. Public comment is up to two minutes. Chair, I see no members of the public attending remotely who wish to make comment on this item. Seeing none, public comment on this item is now closed. Commissioners, do you have any edits, amendments, or changes to the minutes? If not, is there a motion to accept and to approve the October 26, 2023 commission meeting minutes as submitted? So, so moved. Second. Was moved by Commissioner Irene Riley and seconded by Vice Chair Shaw. Are there any objections? Then by unanimous consent, the minutes of October 26, 2023 have been approved as submitted. Thank you. And let's call the next item. Item four, discontinuation of remote public comment. In response to the Office of the Mayor's directive to align commissions with the Board of Supervisors, the commission will discuss and vote on ending remote public comment beginning December 14th, 2023. This is a discussion and possible action item, and there will be public comment. So, Commissioners, um, everyone was sent... Uh, and have in their binders both the approved motion by the Board of Supervisors to end remote public comment and the directive from the Mayor's Office for commissions to adopt the Board of Supervisors rule. This evening we are discussing this directive and taking a vote to comply with the mandate and uh, end remote public comment. Mr. Secretary, would you please read the new Board of Supervisors rule and the directive from the mayor's office? File number 231020. Uh, this is motion M23, Michael 23129. Motion amending Board of Supervisors rules by revising rule 1.33, remote public comment, to discontinue remote public comment by members of the public at meetings of the board and its committees, except as legally required to enable people with disabilities to participate in such meetings. Notice from the mayor's office reads that the Board of Supervisors new rule eliminating remote public comment, except as necessary for disability accommodations, uh, Noted it could be found where uh, on a, their website. The instructions from the mayor's office are that all commissions shall adopt the Board of Supervisors new rule. For example, there shall be no remote comment except when necessary to accommodate a disability. This also means that all presenters from departments will need to attend commission meetings in person. Thank you. Now we will open public comment on this item. Are there any members of the public attending in person who would like to comment on this item? Public comment on this item is now open. Persons attending in person may approach the dais and present on this item. Chair, I see no persons attending in person who wish to make comment on this item. 
Are there any members of the public who would like to provide testimony remotely? Please use the raised hand icon. Public comment is up to two minutes. Persons attending remotely may use the raised hand icon. Chair, I see no persons attending remotely who wish to make comment on this item. Seeing none, public comment on this item is closed. Commissioners, do you have any comments or is there any discussion about uh, this item? Commissioner Sweet. Discontinue remote public comment following the directive of the mayor and following the model of the Board of Supervisors. And is there a second? I'll second after a comment as well. Can I do that? Why don't you second? Second. There'll be discussion okay, on second. the motion. Okay. All right. Is there any discussion on the motion? Commissioner Pellegrini. Thank you, Chair. I, I support the um, the motion on the table. I just want to make it clear, and I think it's really important that when um, people can't attend a meeting in person and they send in notes or written um, information and comments that the committees really actually read the documents, because if we're eliminating public comment and you have a job or you can't make it to a committee hearing and you send in your 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 letter, it's important to make sure people are reading that as well, I think. But I think it's a great way to get people back in chamber. We have the city attorney uh, here to answer any questions about this. And if you could comment on uh, written commentary. Good evening, commissioners. Um, Commissioner Pellegrini, I agree with the your statement that when, when people will submit any written materials that that should be set on the record during regular meeting. Thank you. Are there any other questions for the city attorney's office or discussion? Hearing none, could you please, uh, if there is there any objection to this motion? If not by unanimous consent. Oh, I'm sorry. Just to be clear, to, to be clear, the motion is to end public comment except to accommodate disability um, accommodations. Correct. Because that's the law. Right. That right. wasn't the motion, but I would be happy to clarify okay. that those weren't my words. Sorry. Please don't put words <laughs> in my mouth. But yes, I'll be happy to clarify that. I will uh, amend the motion to to say that it is to end public comment except where required to accommodate disability. Thank you. And thank you for clarifying that. I'll second that. Is there any objection to this motion? Hearing none, by unanimous consent, the motion is passed. Thank you, Chair. Item five, African-American reparations. Update discussion of reparations work going forward. This is a discussion possible action item. Public comment will be accepted on this item.
Um, I put this on the agenda because the work of the African-American Reparations Advisory Committee uh, has been very thorough and we've approved the report um, and the Board of Supervisors has approved the report. And I think it's essential that we continue to check in about it. Um, so while I only have two more meetings, um, <laughs> including this one, right? So we'll check in again at our last meeting of the uh, of the year. But I think it's essential that we uh, do look at the what has been described as the low hanging fruit that can be implemented uh, without any financial implications. Um, and and that would that includes um, looking at acknowledging the city's role um, in discriminating and perpetuating anti-black racism in the city and county. Uh, I think it's essential to our city's responsibility to help to heal and reconcile the injustices of the past and develop a path towards a future free from the bias that continues to perpetuate uh, white supremacy, whether it's in the city and county of San Francisco uh, or across the United States. As we know, racism is very much alive in our present day world. Um, so I just want to give the commissioners an opportunity to uh, continue to discuss reparations um, and to discuss what we as a commission can do to further the recommendations that are made in the report. And now I open this to this item to public comment. People attending in person are invited to make public comment. Public comment is up to two minutes. Please state your name if you would like your name recorded in the minutes. Chair, I see no persons attending in person who wish to make comment on this item. Are there any members of the public who would like to provide testimony remotely? People attending remotely are invited to make public comment. Public comment is up to two minutes. Please use the raised hand icon to let us know you'd like to make public comment. Chair, I see no persons attending remotely who wish to make comment on this item. Seeing none, public testimony is now closed. And I'd like to invite any commissioners who wish to uh, comment on reparations. Uh, please do do so. Vice Chair Shaw. Um, yes. Um, so proud of the work that the city has done um, from Mayor Bree to our executive director, Dr. Cheryl Davis, um, to the African American Reparations um, Committee, um, and putting together such thorough work 
um, that will um, be an example, be an example, um, not just for us here in San Francisco, but for other cities around our nation, um, knowing that um, this is justice. This is justice being served and how so many African-Americans who've lost so much, so much due to racism, um, how their ancestors have died uh, and lost that, that those who've come behind generations that follow will gain and that uh, repair, repair will come uh, from this endeavor. So I'm excited about um, reparations here in San Francisco and how now it's going to move into, I know the city's working on department and formulating a department uh, for reparations. And so uh, for us to be on board as a commission, you know, to be in support of our city and support of this, uh, of this issue um, that is certainly um, deserving uh, for all African-Americans um, who stand um, in need of rightful justice um, here in San Francisco. So um, just want us to continue the work and continue the support to do us right. So thank you. Thank you. Any, would anyone else like to add anything today? Um, so I do encourage you to look at the report again um, so that it's not just a report that sits on a shelf. Um, there are items in it that can be addressed uh, now. And so, you know, it would be great looking at those um, to bring before the commission um, or to ask questions about those. Uh, the work of progressing uh, the reparations, I think, is essential. And again, while uh, my tenure ends December 31st, um, I'm going to keep it on the agenda going forward to ensure that this work, the this act of social justice, uh, remains active in our time together. Mr. Secretary, please call the next item. Item six, Veterans Day Reflection. Presentation by Veterans Alley founder on their work locally and impact of Veterans Alley has had worldwide. Veterans Alley represents the first instance where veterans through public artwork have created a constant dialogue with community by highlighting the reality of war and the military experience and teaching society how to never use violence to resolve conflicts ever again. Presentation by Amos Gregory, founder of Veterans Alley. This is a discussion and possible action item, and there will be public comment. Welcome. I want to welcome Mr. Gregory, and thank you so much for taking time to join us this evening. Um, it, the Bay Area and San Francisco had a thriving population of, of veterans, and over the years following the closure of our bases, um, the population has steadily declined. Too few veterans are making the Bay Area their home, and we've lost the frontline advocates for our veterans' causes as our sisters and brothers in arms find homes elsewhere. We're glad that you're here this evening to share your thoughts and your work uh, 
which is extremely important in supporting the veterans who, who are here in our city. Thank you, Mr. Gregory. Thank you. Um, yeah, my name is Amos Gregory. I'm the founder of uh, the San Francisco Veterans Mural Project, or Veterans Alley for short. I'm the co-founder of Veterans Alley. Um, I co-founded the project with uh, Mr. Gilbert Lovato, who identifies as Mexican-American, and um, United States Marine Corps. And um, I met Gabriel. His street name is Gabriel, Archangel of the Bay. My street name is Low Key Rider One. And so I met Gabriel um, through a photography project. So Veterans Alley was created in October um, 11th, 2011. That was the month that Gabriel and I both joined the Occupy movement also. Um, but I had been photographing um, veterans uh, in the Tenderloin at night for a year prior. And um, this was a specific uh, project and it was intentional. I was intentionally um, looking for uh, unhoused veterans to give them a positive self-image of themselves through photography uh, to break down some barriers and begin the advocacy work um, with um, unhoused vets. So I met Gilbert, Gabriel, um, through this photography project and at, he became my best friend at the time. And um, he lived with me um, before we got him into his housing. But, you know, um, Gilbert Lovato was out of the thousands of people I've met over the last 12 years. Um, it's been the most uh, amazing story. He was the first true story um, coming from Veterans Alley, the first person to truly give me his story. And um, one night we were walking around four o'clock in the morning, right, photographing. And, you know, I told this story a few times, but, you know, he was like, he's like, hey, yo, kid, if you really want to do something for this neighborhood, do something for this alley. Right. And he took me around the corner. Right. And then, you know, it takes me in a Shannon alley. Right. And then Shannon alley at the time was called Crack Alley. And it was toe up and the flow up. Right. And um, I had never painted a mural in my life. I had never uh, done any um, public artwork in that fashion. And um, I took his challenge and I have a, a very good community here of artists in San Francisco who uh, mostly are based in the Mission District. And many of them are founders of mural projects themselves. And there's one special person, his name is Clarence Dobbs. His name is, um, street name is Cuba. He's responsible for bringing wild style graffiti art form to San Francisco when he uh, hitchhiked from Baltimore at 19 years old, over 35 years ago. And um, this person is responsible for the creation of Clarion Alley. He's responsible for the creation of Cypress Alley. He's responsible for the creation of Lilac Alley. And um, he's a mentor to hundreds of youth, middle career artists and, and old school artists. And um, without uh, his help and um, his open-mindedness, I don't think that we would have been able to get to the point where we really uh, saw the fruition of the starting of the alley. So, you know, we had a lot of support uh, coming from the, the artistic community here in San Francisco. And the reason why is because, you know, you know, I'm coming to these folks and I'm showing them that, you know, over these decades of artwork that they've done in these alleys, that they've actually created some victims. And the victims were, you know, the veterans, 
uh, military folks who were depicted in their artwork and that they were telling stories and using imagery of veterans that actually wasn't true. And so there wasn't a space in San Francisco where you as a person um, with a military background could actually go in to an alley and go into a project and, and be able to create a mural that tells about the true reality and trauma of war, right? Without being harassed, number one, by the artist, number two, by the community at large, because, you know, the city just didn't have a great reputation. And then a lot of, I think, stereotypes were propagated out in different communities that never had a chance to have a veteran rise up and be as good as they were to be able to set the story straight. And so we created this uh, mural project and I specifically wanted to create this with Gilbert, Gilbert Lovato because I knew that what we were going to create was going to bring in so many folks because you have stereotypes about veterans. And then every time you mention veterans and, and veterans issues or causes or us, you always make a mention, point to mention unhoused veterans, troubled veterans, veterans that are struggling within society. But if you look at you know our overall population, we're 22 and a half million people. Granted, in those subsections, those subpopulations, we represent a high percentage, but we're this many people, right? And then I started this mural project with a, an unhoused vet, right? And that's the justice there, is that, you know, Gilbert Reston Tower, right? You know, um, you know, I told him, I said, hey, all these people from all over the place are going to sit back and they're going to talk about Veterans Alley. And then I'm going to make them thank you, right? This person, this unhoused person that we look past every day and we fail to recognize the significance of who they are and what their potential is. And then so now going forward, you know, we've just introduced a resolution to change the name of Shannon Street permanently to Veterans Alley. And so going forward, you know, Gilbert Lovato is the hero of Veterans Alley. And then so from there, you know, we've serviced all types of vets you know, that have come through. And when I say service vets, we're not like a service organization. We're, we're an art organization. We're an activist organization. We do help facilitate, you know, a lot of healing um, within our community. Um, we do have great connections to different services, but our forefront is just getting people's stories out there and the health, overall health. So we've serviced ourselves. And then so a good friend of mine, his name is Rudy Richardson. He's a deported veteran. And Rudy said to me, he said, he said, Amos, when we heal, the whole community heals, right? Because we're barbers, doctors, lawyers, firefighters, unhoused people, artists, barbers, right? All those folks were vets. And then, you know, we're part of the overall community. And when we heal, you know, the overall community that really does love us, right? And we're embedded within their lives and in their neighborhoods and in your home, you know, you heal also. And so, you know, from there, you know, we began to advocate not only for ourselves, you know, telling our own stories, but began to advocate for others that couldn't tell their own stories. And we first began by advocating for deported veterans, right? And these are veterans that served in the U.S. military and were non-citizens, uh, came 
out of the military service, crime, something happened, and they got deported back to their home countries after being dreamers and raised here in the United States. And so we created um, artwork in Veterans Alley. They found out about it. My phone blew up. And um, a year later, in 2013, we created the Deported Veterans Mural Project with their community. Uh, the most active of them are in Tijuana, Mexico, and that's our sister city. I'm heading down there in two weeks uh, to continue painting with the folks that are there. Um, Veterans Alley is like the beacon, the light, and the things that we experiment with here and different techniques and styles are followed by our sister city and vice versa, back and forth. So we've created that um, in uh, in Mexico with the deported veterans. Um, and then from there, you know, we recognize that, you know, the first victims of war are children. And we began advocacy work or doing murals for Syrian children in Veterans Alley. And then word got off across the pond and we were invited to Turkey to create a mural project for Syrian children uh, in Istanbul, which has been going on since 2015. We've serviced a, you know, a couple thousand students. But the cool thing is, is that there's an Amos that is in Istanbul now, right? And his name is Mulham Mardini. I met him when he was 21, right? And he's 27 now. And then there's a Hector Barajas that's down in and Mexico, and then all of these things that we gathered, we did ourselves, and we did them underground. We did it grassroots. We disabled vets. We dug in our own pocket for years, and because we had never had this opportunity to say these things and not have some punishment or something met it back on us, and then so many things had been said about us, but not without us. And so we were never going to give up this opportunity and this chance. We stayed as a grassroots movement. But then, you know, George Floyd was murdered, right? And then this lady started coming around, Dr. Davis, and, you know, bugging me. And then I'm like, oh, man, I ain't talking to nobody. And then, you know, before you know it, I began to engage more deeply with, you know, within the Black community here in San Francisco, which I had always been doing because I'm an African-American artist and up on point. But, um you know, the Dreamkeeper uh, initiative um, was like, I think the first city, real city engagement where we came forward, start talking about the different things that we do in Vets Alley. And then we've received some types of support there from uh, the Dreamkeeper initiative and um, working with, you know, the funding we have from them isn't even, doesn't even talk about vets. It talks about working with the black community, specifically in the Tenderloin and working with black artists, visual artists in the Tenderloin because over a decade plus, I've seen how artists, specifically black visual artists struggle um, to make you know an inroad on the walls of the Tenderloin that needs so much art on. And so, um, you know, John asked me, he's like, okay, well, what are some things that you know, the city could do that, you know, better around vets. And I think that one thing is is to to come with intention, right? You know, Dreamkeeper was wonderful, but we're servicing, you know, overall community, right? Because of the power of what we've done. And then that's the wonderful thing because that's an integration part because 
the project was designed to stand on its own, but also to be able to integrate within the whole neighborhood and then have, have everyone partake in everything that's happening there. But what we really would like to have is just some intentional engagement around veterans and around veterans art and the power of healing and um, and looking to help us expand into other places. There's a wonderful community center that was just created by Swords of Plowshares and they got these humongous walls, right? And I was over there when all of like plywood and everything's sitting around and then they're like, and I'm like, yeah, we can do a huge project. We can start something up and we can keep going for years. And, you know, when it came down to it, it's like no funding, right? And I'm like, okay, well, we have some funding, but it's tied to this other thing. And I'm like, if I'm getting funding, it should be geared towards us first, right? We have to be whole in order to be able to work with everyone that's outside of Vets Alley, the Syrian children, deported veterans. Vets Alley is where, you know, our core is. And it's just not folks here. So we've had folks travel in from all over. And then we like to recognize, you know, especially some of the Indian tribes, uh, members of artists that have come through from, you know, the Lakota tribe, veterans from the Lakota tribe, Yakima tribe, the Karak tribe, we have a really good relationship with the Karak tribe up in Orleans, California, White Mountains Apache tribe um, have come through um, and have represented because, you know, in our demographic, you know, as vets, we have the, we run the whole gamut. You know, I've got a transgender mural sitting next to a mural that's done by someone that's honoring a Yakima veteran, right? And then so, um, and it's a balancing act, right? Because, you know, there's this trans transgender person and they represent, you know, you know, these changes in America. Well, things that in America that we're starting to address and change and not everybody's open-minded to that, but you still have to have harmony because this person has to paint next to this person. And then before we walk out of there after three or four months together painting, next to each other, we're gonna have some understanding between each other. And then so we're trying to show through like the diversity of even all the murals and the different types of folks there, how united we are, right, together. And how our work helps out the whole community. And I think that's as much as I think I can talk about Vets Alley right now. And then there's a poem by a Vietnamese philosopher, Thich Nhat Hanh. And, and he wrote it specifically for veterans. And it said, for veterans, he said, veterans are the light at the tip of the candle, illuminating way for the entire nation. If veterans can achieve awareness, transformation, and understanding, then they can share with the rest of society the realities of war. And they can teach us how to make peace with each other and ourselves so that we may never use violence to resolve conflicts ever again. That's our first mural in Vets Alley. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Please, please wait. <laughs> because we want to continue to pay tribute to you and and the work you are doing, uh, Mr. Gregory. Yes. And uh and in mem in memory of Gabriel and uh, Gilbert Lovato, 
Uh, and uh, Clarence Dobbs and everyone who has contributed to uh, using art to heal and to bring people together. Uh, you know, we we appreciate and value what you are doing. Thank you. Um, I'll open it up to public comment at this time. Is there anyone who is present who would like to comment um, on this item? People attending in person are invited to make public comment. Public comment is up to two minutes. Please state your name if you would like your name to record it in the minutes. Are there any persons attending in person who would like to make a comment on this item? Chair, I see no persons attending in person who want to make a comment on this item. Is there anyone attending remotely who uh, might wish to make public comment on this item? People attending remotely are invited to make public comment. Public comment is up to two minutes. Please use the raised hand icon to let us know you would like to make public comment. Chair, I see no persons attending remotely who wish to make comment on this item. Seeing none, public testimony is now closed. Commissioners, do you have any um, questions uh, or thoughts for Mr. Gregory? Commissioner Pimentel. I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, it's very impactful work, and I want to thank you for your service as a veteran. You guys put your life on the lines and did so much for this country, and you deserve, you know, praise and recognition, but also resources for those who have come back. Thank you. Vice Chair Shaw. I would like to ditto that, Mr. Gregory. Thank you so much for your work as an artist and how you empower other veterans uh, in our community. Uh, truly, it goes um, just noticed by everyone. So thank you, thank you. May God continue to bless you. I saw a quote I wanna share as we come up on Veterans Day on Saturday, November 11th. And um, I think it pretty much sums up um, our, our feelings for veterans. It says, for the veteran, thank you for bravely doing what you're called to do so we can safely do what we're free to do. So I just think that that quote just sums up uh, so much as far as the appreciation that we have for veterans. And thank you so much for your brave service to our country. And it's because of your service and why, and why we are a free United States of America. So God bless you, sir. Thank you. Commissioner Duran. Uh, thank you, Mr. Gregory, for, for joining us. It's really a pleasure, and thank you for your service. And I'm happy to hear your story and the story of, of Gilbert. May he rest in power. And, and it's it's wonderful to hear that this vision was uh, came to fruition and that it's, it has expanded outside mm -hmm. of walls, borders, and oceans. Um, I'm in the same sector, so to speak, and, and in the arts and we, we understand the power of the arts and how it welcomes all and it teaches us and it humbles us in a way that oftentimes maybe doesn't require the same languages, but it requires the same heart. And um, 
hearing uh, uh, what you've discussed here today, I'm uh, I'm wondering and, and encouraging you to consider looking at grants for the arts in the San Francisco Arts Commission uh, for further funding uh, for you and yours. And um, I'm open if you have any questions to extend my support. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioners, thank you. I want to thank you again. Thank you. Mr. Gregory, for taking time to ground us in this reflection on um, Veterans Day and what it truly means. Um, it's a chance to honor those who have worn the uniform and served our country. It's also a time to reflect on the living cost of combat, on those who were asked to serve and those who have returned home and those of us who are in the midst of warfare mm -hmm. throughout the world. As we reflect tomorrow and this weekend on Veterans Day and how important veterans are to our society, to our safety and our security, let us think about how we can foster safety and security for our veterans. And with that, please come back and tell us let us know how you're doing and how we can help you. Okay. Cool. Thank you, Mr. Gregory. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take you up on that too. Yeah. Cool. I'll connect you too. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, Janice. Nice. Thank you. Mr. Secretary, please call the next item. Item seven, Native American Heritage Month. The American Indian Cultural District will present on Native American Heritage Month and the significance of continuing a meaningful partnership with the San Francisco Human Rights Commission to support the needs of the local American Indian community. It's a presentation by April McGill, Executive Director, American Indian Cultural Center, Michelle Moss, LCSW, Native American Health Center, and Sharia Souza, Executive Director, American Indian Cultural District. Sorry, Sharia. Uh, this is a discussion and possible action item. There will be public comment. Welcome. Come on up. Uh, we welcome representatives for the American Indian Cultural District, American Indian Cultural Center, and Native American Health Center to share with us the work being done in San Francisco to maintain, promote, and champion the culture and history of the original peoples um, who have resided here and who reside here now. Um, thank you for joining us during Native American Heritage Month to give us both your perspective and a much needed update on, on your work and ways we can support you. Thank you, Madam Chair. Whoa. <laughs> and thank you, uh, Human Rights Commission, for creating the time for us to talk a little bit about our community and our cultures. 
My name is Michelle Moss. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I work as a therapist at the Native American Health Center here at 160 Cap Street in San Francisco. I work with Native Americans and non-Native Americans that have suffered through trauma, intergenerational trauma, uh, the trauma of disease, the trauma of poverty, the trauma of no housing, the trauma of uh, substance abuse and alcoholism, the substance of having family members who have uh, been incarcerated, those that have been uh, released from prison that have um, maybe taken a life, those that uh, have been trafficked in MMIP, missing murdered indigenous people. As I was preparing to speak tonight, I had a lot of words written down. And then uh, I realized as I've been working from home, I didn't have a printer to print my notes out. And I, my, print is, my font is too small on my phone. So I thought, what will I do? And Creator came to me and uh, invited me to share a poem. The poem tonight that I'm gonna share is from the book, Days of Obsidian, Days of, Le of Grace. And it's uh, is composed by, hold on, Al Hunter. And as I share this poem, I'm going to um, censor some of the words because it's very graphic. But I, I, I want you to know that these are the stories I hear in my practice. And this is the result of genocidal policies of eradication and exclusion. The children of the seventh fire. We are the children who wonder if our fathers and mothers will die drunk. We are the children who heard promises of tomorrow, echoes of lies like sounds from an empty drum. We are the children who wake to nightmares, relatives, brothers, sisters, strangers, smelling of piss and wine in darkened rooms, unable to scream, yell, or tell nightmares from nightmares, heaps of drunken humans passed out on living room floors, sexing and groaning next to us. We are the children with bloody faces, mothers and sisters in ransacked houses, police lights flashing. We are the children who walk through glass without flinching, tattoo scars, cigarette burns, razor cuts on arms, legs, and bodies, tell our self-mutilation. We are the children who grit our teeth. We are the children of stolen dreams, hearts pierced by the sharpened crosses of vampires in frocks and white collars and black habits needing to exercise themselves. We are the children who will not let you sleep. We are the children who became the abusers, wanting to stay warm in the hearts of fires gone dead. We are the children who learned that our bodies weren't worth much, who believed love was sex and sex was love. And if love felt so empty, why was it so important to be loved anyway? We are the children who ran, who ran back home to rape, rapes, gangbangs, and blood, not believing women are the earth. We are the children who never heard the songs, believing our drums were hollow, taught to be silent by threats and beatings no one ever heard. We are the children who hid in dark corners, starving, taught to fear the shadows of ourselves. We are the children wanting it to be gone after saying it once, having to say it again and again. We are the children who will name it, who will tear away the mask and call it healing. We are the children taught to survive, that's all.
the stories that come to me and the life stories and the the uh, the trauma has been carried on for generations. But our Indian people come to places where Indians are uh, in roles of healers. They they seek out to be with their Indian people. And what we need as we think about Native, of Her Native American Heritage Months, we are reminded by the beautiful um, Heritage Night we had here um, earlier, that last week I believe it was, the beautiful her heritage, the beautiful cultures that we have of 500 nations across Turtle Island, beautiful cultures. And we come from communities where there was belonging, where everybody had a role, where there's social roles that everybody was a part of. And those have been fragmented and torn. And who we see now, many people are on the road to healing and many people are on a healing journey, but some haven't been able to get there yet. And we need a place where we can heal. We need a cultural center. We need a place where our people can come together, be served by native people, bring our traditional healers in, have circles for healing, have talking circles for elders, men, women, and children, and activities, cultural activities, where our community can remember, remember. To dismember is to take apart, right? We need our children and our community to remember. We believe it's in our DNA. We believe we hold the culture. There's a prophecy from my nation that tells of a time of darkness when we would lose things. But there's another prophecy that came later that said, there will be a time when our people return to pick up the pieces they've lost along the way. So we're asking for your support in helping us to get a place where our native people can belong and can begin their healing journey. Chimagwich, thank you. Um, my name is April McGill. I'm the executive director of the American Indian Cultural Center. Um, thank you, relative Michelle McGwitch, for those amazing words and reading the poem. Happy Native American Heritage Month. <laughs> um, for a lot of us Native people, every day is a day of celebration, but it's it's nice when the city and you know the nation can honor the first peoples of this country. So um, I just wanna say thank you for the, allowing us to, to share a little bit about the work that we're doing here in San Francisco. So I'm an enrolled member of Round Valley Indian Tribes. So I'm Yuki, Little Lake Pomo, Michel Wapo. And I'm really fortunate because I can go home to my traditional homeland. It's only um, an hour, another space is another, another area that I call home is only two hours away. And San Francisco has been my home for over 20 years. So I always say that I was born up north, but the city raised me here. Um, so I've been working here in the community for a really long time and just really helping to support a lot of the native folks that have relocated here to San Francisco. My great grandfather was one of those natives who relocated here for work and he loved being here to, to greet all of the native people that came here to San Francisco. And so it's really important for us to make sure as California Indian people that we create a space and a home for relatives that come here. Although I'm not Ramatush Ohlone or Mawekma Ohlone, 
Um, I'm lucky that I have the privilege to be able to work with them and I'm able to be able to be a California native that can, can provide these services to our community. So the American Indian Cultural Center, we are a virtual center. We are in construction of our new space on Mission at 1863 Mission Street. And it's just a small art space, but we're advocating for a building here in the cultural district. So it was in 2019 that the American Indian Cultural Center advocated for the American Indian Cultural District. So it's really important for us to share that we've been working uh, very closely with all of our partners in the American Health Center, who will be getting a village, Village SF, right here. So we're continuing to take land back. We're continuing to provide these services for our community. So tonight I took time out because we have our powwow dance class on Thursday nights right here in the cultural district. And we've had between 60 and 80 families come and we feed them dinner and we do powwow dance. And a lot of those students came and danced here at City Hall the other night. So it was pretty amazing to see our community letting us know the services that need that they need. I do wanna share a little bit that in 2019, uh, the percentage of American Indian population was only 1.1%. But through the work of the cultural district and looking at the data and seeing what how big our population really is, we found that uh, the American Indian community is 2.1%. So San Francisco has one of the largest populations of American Indian people and the Bay Area is what we say number one in the nation because Oklahoma Cherokee Nation will argue that they do. Uh, but we have the largest population because of all of our relocation families. So it's important for us to have a home for a community. I was at a meeting last night on 22nd and Mission because I lived on 22nd and Cap. Rodrigo used to be my neighbor. Uh, so we we were neighbors on Cap Street and we remember that fire that happened on, on 22nd. And so we heard from community about how important it is for us to house housing for our people. And we always want to make sure that we think about the first people that were here too, because we are one of the highest populations of homelessness, especially here in San Francisco. Our African-American community is one of the largest um, having homelessness to, or to be homeless. They're seven times likely to be homeless. Uh, American Indian is 17 times likely to be homeless. So I share that because we know that our communities are really um, needing this housing. We've had a lot of, of our community pushed out into the East Bay, but it's not their community. And so they wanna come home and we wanna fight to get a cultural center that will have housing, that'll provide the healing spaces that our uh, Auntie Michelle talked about and make sure that um, we have a space uh, also for our domestic violence survivors. We've been working with the San Francisco Status of Women. Um, Director Ellis has been working closely with us um, to create a pilot project. So we will be providing a small stipend to our American Indian survivors of domestic violence for, and this is only a year pilot, but we've been working also with our secretary, Deb Holland, to look at missing and murdered indigenous women because San Francisco is number five um, in, in the highest of MMIP. And so we wanna make sure that our women who are being trafficked, who are uh, going missing, that we're collecting correct data. We also worked with 
the uh, San Francisco Police Department to create a coalition. Um, during COVID, it got set back, so we need to come back together with our law enforcement and look at it, look at that. But from the uh, work that Deb Holland's been doing, we there was a report that recently was out that one of the things that the, was in the recommendations was more safe shelters and culturally appropriate shelters. So we need more shelters for our American Indian people and our African-American people and our Latinx community. Because when we have places that are safe with people that look like us, that can provide the services that are culturally competent, we know that our people can heal. So I also just wanna share too that uh, we are continuing to work with the cultural district and do a needs assessment and look at truth and healing We've been working with the governor's office on a truth and healing for California tribes. So some of that work uh, that they're doing, will have a report that's put out next year. So we're doing a truth and healing for San Francisco. Um, so I also would like to ask that you all consider having an American Indian representative on this committee. So this commission. So, um, and I hope that's something in the near future. So, oh yeah, we thank you again for your time and come check out all our events that are happening. There's American Indian Film Festivals. There's lots of things that are happening during this month. So thank you. Good evening. Uh, my name is Sharia Souza, Tata Taz Pueblo in Kiowa, and I'm the executive director for the American Indian Cultural District. Uh, I just wanted to elevate what was shared and opened up very heavy uh, by Michelle Moss and also acknowledge she's one of the people that that coined discrimination by omission in 2007 and sat here and talked to the Human Rights Commission with over 150 American Indians that came together in San Francisco to tell you a lot about a lot of those atrocities that she read in that poem today. And the sad part when I read the human rights, the discrimination by omission is one of the things it talked about is lack of representation. And as I sit here today amongst a very diverse board of people, the Human Rights Commission, I still am not looking at any American Indian people up there. It speaks volumes for one of the most liberal cities that I came to, you know, back in the day with the film festival and the occupation of Alcatraz, thinking, wow, you know, San Francisco's got to be ahead of the curve from everybody. They've got to have, you know, really great things happening for Native people and Native people up there kicking butt and taking names and continuing that legacy. And it breaks my heart a little bit why we have such amazing people on the ground serving our people every day. April carrying on that legacy of the cultural center, you know, despite all the challenges she's had without actually having a building or a space to provide those services. She's kept on working full time and being a mother last five years to help carry out that legacy. So I want to honor that work. It's my responsibility here today as a young person and a young leader to continue to elevate that work that was done in 2007 I'm yes, 2007, over 20 years ago, and look at where we've come to now and hold myself accountable and hold you all accountable to continue that work. Today, we're talking about Native American Veterans Day. And from veteran.gov, American Indians and Alaskan Natives served at a higher rate than any other group. There are over 140 American Indian Alaskan Native vets in the United States but I wanted to share a second fact with you. It was not until 1924 that Congress allowed American Indians who were born in the United States to be recognized as citizens, 1924. And yet 
until 1957, American Indians were still not allowed to vote all throughout the United States. 1957, we're not talking about 1819, we're not talking about 1915, we're talking about 1957. And let's talk about the makeup of the people sitting in front of us today. Not much has changed. And so I ask you all today, um, as April brought up, uh, we worked uh, with Supervisor Melgar um, to publish a, a Truth and Healing Reparations Advisory Committee in San Francisco. And I know it's been a while since we've circled back, but as Michelle shared, We've just been trying to take care of our community, trying to take care of our people, trying to build a cultural center, trying to build a, a cultural district out of the middle of the pandemic, trying to meet every single racial equity this, this city demands, trying to make up for decades of leaving people behind. So we're just trying to catch up on the race, but we are coming back and we are coming back strong. Our board will be meeting in December to come together to talk about the best way forward. Our next steps is actually going to be um, doing a community needs assessment, like April said, so we'll be coming together. And that way, when we sit down at this table and those conversations are gonna be as strong as that poem, as hard as that poem, as hard as our black relatives who had to come out and have those really hard conversations for the first time being heard in one of these spaces. We wanna make sure that we have the right information and the right data to present to the city. So when we make that ask for a 10 year comprehensive plan to hear the inequities and the healing for American Indians, we come to the table ready with facts, with data and ready to make those asks. So I warned San Francisco, <laughs> there may not be many American Indians sitting up there now, but I certainly hope that that 10 year plan doesn't take 10 years. I hope a year from now, two years from now, you know, my sister Jackie Filder that's out there running and doing good things. I, I hope she takes some of these positions and we see more American Indian women and American Indian leadership step up um, because, you know, more than 90% of our folks don't live on reservations. They live here in urban Indian areas. And I owe it to the people who came before me who did this work, the occupation at Alcatraz, that inspired land back from my tribe under Nixon, over 50,000 acres, to continue that work and continue that legacy and make San Francisco that exciting place that I thought it was when I first came here and that it is because of the community and that it will be because of what our community is doing to build up our cultural district and the policies to serve our people throughout San Francisco. So I want to thank you all tonight, and I also want to push, it is the 48th annual film festival that April brought up. Um, there's an amazing event happening at the Cal Academy. They're shutting down the entire Cal Academy um, as part of their Indigenous Solidarity Group and opening up four amazing films um, in San Francisco uh, for the American Indian Film Institute. So I urge people to go out and to watch that. It kicked off with a really strong film at the first point, which was called Bones of Crows, talking about the remains that were found at the Canadian boarding school. And that's not something that happens in Canada. That's something that happens here every day, even in San Francisco and California throughout, throughout um, the 150 plus nations that are here. Of, of California natives and 500 throughout the state. So I just wanna say that, you know, when we think about Veterans Day, we had our people who were still in boarding schools and rolling their children into war so that they didn't end up in those boarding schools. We had people that were out there fighting and weren't even considered citizens until the 1960s. It's your responsibility as the Human Rights Commission to make sure that you're holding accountable the responsibility for all human rights. And that includes American Indians because none of us would be here today if it wasn't for the elimination of the Ramachishaloni and the people that are still here surviving. So thank you. Thank you, April, Michelle, and Sherea for this presentation and a look at the health of 
the city's communities of Native Americans. Now we will open public comment. Are there any members of the public attending in person who would like to comment on this item? Members of the public attending in person are welcome to approach the dais and make comment on this item. Public commentary is two minutes. Chair, I see no persons attending in person uh, who wish to make comment on this item. Are there any members of the public who would like to provide testimony remotely? Please use the raised hand icon. People attending remotely are welcome to make public comment. Please use the raised hand icon. Chair, I see no persons attending remotely who wish to make comment on this item. Seeing none, public testimony is now closed. Um, before I open it up to the commissioners, I do want to encourage uh, all of you, the three of you, and go back to your organizations and encourage others to apply to be a commissioner uh, with the mayor's office. The mayor is the appointing authority. Uh, and the new appointment secretary is Jesse Menardi. I will make that connection. And we have openings. And we're about to have even more openings. So that's what it's about. Make sure that you get your names in and put people forward. Um, and with that, commissioners, did you have any questions? or concerns or anything you'd like to share with our guests tonight? Vice Chair Shaw. I would just like to say thank you so much for your wonderful, compelling uh, presentation that all, of, all three of you brought on tonight. Um, everything you said, everything you said was just so true. I mean, you are the original peoples of this country. There would be no America without Native Americans. And um, you are long overdue for rightful justice um, with, with your hope and dream for the complex, Native American complex. We do hope and pray that that actually manifests itself. And so our prayers go with you in that. Um, and as Chair said, um, for diversity, which our city represents. And another young lady who came and said when she came to the city, she looked around, but she didn't see herself. And so I hope and prayers that your voice is one day up here on this panel too as well. And following the direction of our chair that you will pursue that um, in applying to be a commissioner. I, I was wondering too, as you were talking, and I know this is Native American um, Heritage Month, the children, because what great history, what rich history we have with our Native Americans here in these United States. How do you pass the story on, um, especially during that Native American Heritage Month? It's probably something you may even do just ritually, but, but in incorporating the children, I'm just curious in what ways um, in teaching that next generation um, about, about the Native American story. Yes. Thank you for that important question. Children are, are at the front and center of our community. Mm -hmm. Our children do everything with us. 
when we have, the, April talked about the dance class, the children come to the dance class to learn. They're out there dancing. They're, they're, they're learning from the teacher as well as watching each other and even their parents that are learning. And there's stories that are incorporated in this dance class, the stories of why we do certain dances, of the protocols of the dances. And as I was mentioning about the need for a space, our stories are treated for my nation. I'm Ojibwe from the Great Lakes area. Our, our stories are told in the wintertime. But there's always teachings. We have uh, our trickster Winnebuju stories that are told throughout the year that are um, that for the teaching stories. So, but, but for, the, for most of, and I could be wrong, most of our stories are told in the wintertime, but we teach by modeling as well. We teach by, and that's why healing is so important because people that have come from fragmented uh, families, loss of connection with extended families, many have lost the stories. And that's why coming together with those people that remember with cultural teachers and elders that can teach, help help the children and help the parents. As the parents and grandparents heal and learn, they're able to share with their children as well. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Duran. Hola. So great to have you all here. Um, we're always crossing paths, um, doing the work that we do in our communities and our neighborhoods um, by our people, for our people. And just having your presence here is, is, is important is an understatement needed. Um, but I want to just echo everything that you all said. And I really do encourage, especially hearing that there are transitions on this commission, that uh, we do have representation. Because I read the report um, and reread it. It was saddening to be here, you know, so many years and not to see that. And, and you know, I, I really want to encourage our commission to to push for that and advocate uh, for that representation and also for resources. Um, land is so important, not just in terms of building equity, but more important than that is the relationship that we have with our homes. And um, sometimes we don't know what we have until we've lost it. And there's been cries, stories, dances. Sorry, this is, I'm, I'm a little just, I'm trying to gather my thoughts a little bit, Commissioner, and, and this is like, I'm, I'm, when I'm talking about what's happening in the history, I'm talking about death. I'm talking about mourning. And, and I, I really want that voice to be heard and, and, and for all of us to really take a moment and talk about what needs to be done moving forward because it's so important. It was before, it's today, and it's going to be tomorrow. And I take it very seriously. And, 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 I, and I, I just thank you for always having, having your doors open to me. Uh, I prayed with you all. We've been in similar circles and they're joyful circles as well. Some of those powwows are, you know, we get some good laughs, we get some good food and, and we pray for one another. And so I'm here as a, 
as as a servant for this city that we love and to just extend my 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 support for for what the commission uh for your community and our community my question uh, i have one question uh if maybe april you can expand a little bit on the advisory committee for truth and healing here in san francisco i have some understanding on what's happening on a state level but on a city level this is this is new to me and i'm curious to hear from you yeah thank you so the I want to say it was in 2019, possibly, that um, our governor apologized on behalf of California to all of the California tribes. So that was the first time that American Indians had received an apology. Um, And it was so important because just even this last year, we worked with Assemblyman Ramos to change the name of the law school here in San Francisco to San Francisco Law School because the university was named after someone who had committed genocide on my people, the Yuki people. And so we work with Assembly Ramos to to change that name. And so we've been having these conversations with the governor's office. And so uh, they've assigned uh, Secretary um, Christina Snyder for Native American Affairs to to hold these listening sessions throughout California. Uh, we had one of the first ones in person um, at the Friendship House. And so we've been having them on different reservations throughout North and Southern California to hear what's happening. So, um, and part of that is reparations for California Indian people. So for San Francisco, during that time, uh, Shrey and I were talking about that. We see this truth and healing happening for California. We say, well, what about San Francisco? Because we know what's happened to our Ohlone relatives, you know, and we see all of the names that create genocide, the Juniper Cerro, the Missions, you know, the Hastings, all of those names that are triggering to us and remind us of what's happened to California Indian people. So what we plan to do is with this needs assessment with truth and healing, we are going to hold listening sessions with our community to hear what types of things they want to see a type of land back reparations, similar to what African-American has been talking about as well. Uh, So we'll be starting those in, in January. And we hope that with this truth and healing that, and through this uh, needs assessment that we'll be able to collect data that has not been collected for American Indians in San Francisco. And um, even with the school district, we have the American Indian uh, Indian ed program here in San Francisco. And so there is also data to be collected um, through the, through the school district to to look at how um, how many students we have there or, or how our families are being affected, what's the dropout rate, graduation rate, like how is this all, um, how has genocide affected our families' generations? And so looking at at those truths and and that's how we're going to start the healing is when we start having those difficult conversations and and have some accountability. Thank you. Thank you. 
Commissioner Imran. Uh, thank you, uh, Madam Chair. I want to thank all three of the presenters for your very spirited uh, presentation. I felt I felt it um, in my own spirit as well. Um, I, I'm an alumni of UC Law San Francisco, and I was a proud supporter uh, to get behind the name change. And I thought that was the right thing to do. Uh, and it creates that path, path of restorative justice. I wanted to focus my question. As a city of San Francisco, we're dealing with a fentanyl crisis that's gripped this city. And I was sad to hear that the American Indian population has had the highest drug overdose rates in both 2020 and 2021. Uh, it's a number that we've seen that's been upticking. Um, so what can we do as a city to make sure that we're, especially in the Native American population, that we're preventing overdoses, that we're having opening access to resources and treatment? And then coupled that question with, is the city doing enough to make sure that the American Indian population has access to uh, adequate medical care? So um, that's a very important question. And I just actually resigned from my position with the California Consortium for Urban Indian Health. So I've been working in behavioral health uh, for, gosh, over 10 years. Um, started out with Friendship House uh, Residential Treatment Center and worked at the Native American Health Center. And now I work was working in policy with uh, Sukui. So Sukui had led uh, a lot of uh, the opioid crisis for California. They worked with the California Rural Indian Health Board um, to look at why this is happening to our communities, both in rural and urban communities. And we see the same types of, uh, of overdose, the same percentages, but it's a little bit different uh, within the native population because we have different types of trauma that play into into this situation. So um, I only have a limited time to speak, but I do want to share that our people have continued to suffer from the genocide that's happened to our people. And until we address historical trauma, until we address what's happened to our people with boarding school, until we address um, being displaced, then we're going to continue to see an increase in in overdoses within our people. But I think what we can do now is really try to give more funding to organizations such as Friendship House, such as the California Consortium for Urban Indian Health to work on policies that can change that to help our American Indian people. But these fundings that go to places like Friendship House and the Health Center, those services are culturally appropriate. and. Um, and I think that that's, that's really what, what's important because we see that our people are coming to places like Friendship House, but Friendship House is full. So what else are they going to do? Then they have to find another place to go to. And so we see that. And then when they go into treatment, they want to stay here. And then there's housing issue. So then they go back out on the street and they can, again, overdose. And, and so I think it really starts, though, with our young people, like, for example, our dance class. That is prevention. One of the things our people always say is culture is prevention. If we could teach our young people early enough how important it is to stick to our culture, that's a form of prevention. And, and if we can just teach them to, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we can sit and say, stay away from drugs. But if you show them how important it is to be uh, attached to the culture, then we see that. And it starts with our youth. Um, we also see a high overdose within our uh, 
domestic violence survivors, our MMIP, a lot of our MMIP, missing murdered indigenous women, um, can often be associated with fentanyl or drugs and alcohol, um, being prostituted, being trafficked. And so we just continue to try to provide these healing spaces for our people. So thank you so much for that question because we have one of the highest percentages of overdose. And so all of um, California has 10 uh, urban Indian health clinics that are working um, closely with the governor's office to create policies and funding that can help our people and making sure that the services that they get are billable services through Medi-Cal um, and the traditional services that we're able to provide are also billable services. So thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, really appreciate uh, you making those points uh, and thank you for your time today. Thank you. Um, we're truly honored that you joined us, that you had uh, taken the time to, to come and share with us. And um, I hope you know that we support uh, your work. Uh, I always try to amplify your work and amplify and echo your voices um, under your guidance and your leadership, which I am grateful for and I appreciate. And as we all work to keep the history, the culture, the dignity of Native Americans uh, at the forefront of our minds, which is why we begin our meetings with the land acknowledgement, which is not performative, uh, which we developed under your guidance and leadership. Um, we wanna make sure that we continue to take constructive steps. Um, and I want to share this one anecdote, and that is I'm on the state uh, board for the League of Women Voters. And so they're having this conversation about, oh, you know, people are doing these land acknowledgments and, and where is that? And where do we, you know, this sort of thing. So they're, they're having this conversation. And I quietly say, well, Here's the thing, it's not up to you. You need to work with tribal leaders uh, in California to develop your land acknowledgement as well as relationships, building relationships and understanding. And uh, and so I think it, initially, of course, when I said that, there's a little taken aback, right? Um, but that's what it's about. It's about building relationships, acknowledging the history, the culture, and working together under tri tribal guidance. And with that, thank you so much. Mr. Secretary, please call the next item. Item eight, commissioners activities in the community. Commissioners report on events in the community they have attended or wish to notify the commission of in advance. This is a discussion item. There will be public comment. Commissioners, uh, do you have events that you've attended that you'd like to share with us or upcoming events that you'd like to amplify here at this meeting? 
Commissioner Imran. Uh, thank you, uh, Madam Chair. Uh, on Monday, I, I had the opportunity to attend uh, the announcement of the 2025 NBA All-Star Game coming to San Francisco. Yay. We held that case in there. Yes, it's another major event that's coming to San Francisco. Um, so really excited for that. And and I'm also looking forward to APEC next week. Um, they're saying that it's the biggest international event to happen in San Francisco since the founding of the United Nations in 1945. So all eyes on the city for the right reasons. And I'm really, really excited. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the All-Star Game is coming in 2025. Okay. All right. Commissioner Duran. Yeah, I just want to... Uh... We had a very successful Dia de Muertos, um, not only in the Mission District, but also at Cal Academy. Um, it was just a, a really a moment to to celebrate life, to celebrate our loved ones, our ancestors, those that passed before us. But, um, you know, I just also want to take this time to talk about what we've been dealing with collectively as a nation and internationally with happening in Israel and Palestine. And I just I was moved thinking during Day of the Dead, you know, and as we talk about this conflict, deeply complex and sensitive, you know, it involves historical and cultural and political dimensions with both sides holding strong and often conflicting narratives. And we see it happening at this present day. And, and I just feel we haven't really talked about it here and just want to bring it up. On the one hand, Palestinians insert that their right for self-determination and the establishment of an independent state. And they highlight the displacement of Palestinian refugees and the impact of Israeli settlements on their lands. On the other hand, Israelis emphasize that their right to exist as a sovereign state and point to historical and biblical connections to the land. It also highlights security concerns and the need for self-defense is a region marked by instability. But regardless of which side we take, you know, it is undeniable that the land is home. It's home to both peoples and whose roots trace back hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And what we're witnessing right now is what we've been talking about at this commission. It, it's about suffering. We've been witnessing deaths. Um, tolls estimate over 11,000 deaths. 10,000 being Palestinians and a thousand plus Israelis and their deaths weigh heavily in my thoughts and hearts. You know, we hear ceasefire on one side and we hear for the folks to come back home. You know, I just want to take a moment, a moment of silence to mourn those souls. We did that on Dia de Muertos and I just want to extend it here. It's hard. It's hard listening. It's hard seeing and hearing from from colleagues and friends. So we can just take a moment of silence to to pay our respects. Gracias. Commissioner Pellegrini. I had the opportunity um, earlier this week to participate in some tours with uh, some commissioners from the Homeless Oversight Commission around PSH sites. So uh, during the discussion and the tour, we were talking about how we might be able to uh, cross collaborate with that uh, commission as well. So I'll see if I could bring something to the table around that. 
Anybody else? No? Okay. Well, um, I did want to say about artificial intelligence and banned books. I attended an event because it was banned books uh, week. And um, this banning of books and censoring what people say and, and think and taking critical thinking out of public schools uh, and in, out of the public discourse is very troubling. And uh, I'll just leave it at that, that artificial intelligence should really be called, of course, plagiarism software. But in addition to that, if they're only drawing in the large language model from one source because they are banning books by the LGBTQI community, by the African-American community, by Native Americans, we have a problem. It's a tremendous problem. And we need to stand up as individuals and collectively to address that problem. So in addition to that, of course, AI searches use a lot of energy. Um, they're very expensive and they use a lot of energy. So uh, in the data centers, it creates a lot of problems. Um, and the use of water and coolant and going into the water table using resources that um, for frankly, trivial activities um, that are essentially perpetuating bias and uh, and eradicating us. And that that's a problem. So I, I leave the, I leave with all of you the thought, um, what can we do about it? What are the human rights implications of uh, AI and this technology and the ramifications on social justice, environmental sustainability and justice, as well as equity and parity? Um, and with that, I open for public comment for the last time. I don't see anyone here present. Uh, is there anyone remote uh, who would like to make public comment remotely for the last time? Chair, there are no persons attending remotely who want to make public comment. Seeing none, public uh, comment is closed for this meeting. And Mr. Secretary, item nine us. adjournment. I want to thank the members of the public and commissioners for participating in the November 9th, 2023 convening of the San Francisco Human Rights Commission. Our next meeting is scheduled for Thursday, December 14th, 2023. That is the last meeting of this year for us. Is there a motion to adjourn? So moved. Is there a second? 
Is there an, any objection to adjournment? Seeing none, by acclamation, this meeting is adjourned. <laughs> I know, and I hurt my hand, so I'm not going to hit my hand on the table. I've done that before, but I'm not going to.